Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Unsullied Truth, the weekly podcast where you get an unbiased, unadulterated look into the world of politics. This week, we're going to try something new and add an opinion segment to the podcast. I'm hoping that by adding this segment to the podcast, not only are you gaining some unbiased facts about the issues in today's political climate, but also a few opinion pieces from me, myself, and I. Rest assured, this is not to impose on anybody political views, but rather to show you how I draw my conclusions from the facts and the research that I do. All that being said, today I would like to specify on a specific issue, and that is gun control. Now, I have seen specifically in this election year a spike in interest in Second Amendment rights and concerns about how each candidate is going to handle um, that issue. I realize that this can be a very sensitive topic and even get heated at times. My purpose here is simply to address the facts of the Second Amendment rights afforded to Americans and then in this special episode include my opinion. Now, the first fact of gun control in America is that it's not going anywhere. Now, let me explain. If precedent has anything to say about the path of the future, if history has anything to say about where we're going, precedent concerning gun control laws on a federal level is pro-Second Amendment. Why do I say that? Well, since the foundation of our nation, there have been only a handful of cases brought to the Supreme Court in which they have been willing to change precedent. Now, that means they are not willing to go back on what the courts of the past have said concerning similar issues about guns. In fact, the Supreme Court went a 69-year span from 1939 to 2008 in which it didn't even address a case concerning the Second Amendment. This is how reluctant they are to change precedent. Now, this highly debated amendment reads as follows, and I quote, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The first thing that I like to consider when reading the Second Amendment is the circumstance and um, overall tone of when it's written. We have to use a little bit of logic here in realizing that the Founding Fathers had just established their separation from Great Britain and wanted to ensure that through the establishment of a militia, therefore the Second Amendment. Now, this is the point where the wording um, of the Second Amendment is interesting to me. Obviously, at the time it was written, everyone understood the need for a well-regulated militia. They had just established their independence from Britain. However, the second part that talks about the right of the people to bear arms, they knew had to be included because they saw the importance for every able-bodied person to be able to fight back against tyranny. So you have the militia on one hand, and you have the importance of a people that can keep and bear arms on the other. Each are included in the Second Amendment. Therefore, 
I deem the argument um, that the Second Amendment was only meant for a militia to be null and void. Of course guns are for a militia. That That's so common sense they wouldn't even have to put it in the Constitution. Now, guns in the hands of the citizens, that is something that would need to be specified and protected in this document. And that is why they included it. Getting that out of the way now, let's start talking about the court cases and why we don't have to be worried. Now, like I said, there was a 69-year gap in which the Supreme Court did not even address a Second Amendment case, the last of which before 2008 being in 1939. And that court case called United States v. Miller addressed simply sawed-off shotguns. Uh, it was when the, the government basically said, hey, there's really no, no justifiable need for you know a shotgun with a barrel so short. It's outlawed. And that was one of the last times that one could identify an infringement on our Second Amendment rights. Now, there have been a few cases since 2008 um, that concern the Second Amendment, which I will encourage everyone to go and do individual research on. But what I can do here is just list them and give you the ultimate outcomes of each one of the cases. First up, in 2008, we have the Supreme Court v. Heller. Essentially, in this court case, you see the rights of the individual increasing. Basically, the Supreme Court authorizing and protecting an individual's right to use a firearm, to own and use a firearm for self-defense within the home. Obviously, a great win for Americans in that. Two years later, in the city of Chicago v. McDonald, the same precedent was upheld. In 2016, there was an interesting case in Caetano v. Massachusetts concerning a taser. In that case, the court still ruled that the Second Amendment extends to all forms of bearable arms. Um, that was also obviously a great win for the freedom of the American people. Finally, in 2019, uh, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association brought a case up against the city of New York, basically concerning the, the laws about transfer of firearms um, in transportation within the city of New York. After the case was brought up to the Supreme Court, the restrictions that were previously in place were removed, and therefore the case was determined to be moot. Basically, the Supreme Court said we don't have to decide on this, which was true. So that one was, for all intents and purposes, dropped. The point of me bringing up all these cases is to quell the fears of people who may or may not think that we are losing our Second Amendment rights anytime soon. The Supreme Court has shown time and time again that they are protectors of our Second Amendment rights, not the aggressors. It's actually really interesting. The trend in election years actually shows almost a consistent spike in gun sales. Um, especially for first-time gun owners. So you have to ask yourself, why is that? Um, and it, it's obviously, you know, right in front of us, people don't know what the next administration is going to bring as far as gun laws, and they fear for it. And so that leads to a, a panic mass buy of, of firearms. You know, all that being said, I think it's important to take a look at what the current administration has done, 
and what the incoming administration plans to do regarding firearms, and then we can address, you know, our emotions from there. Now, something that I have an issue with is that a lot of people uh, parade Trump as kind of a champion for the Second Amendment. In my opinion, he's been rather neutral on the issue. Um, if you could even make an argument that he has made some some moves against the Second Amendment, namely in banning of bump stocks. Basically, all a bump stock does is improve your rate of fire. And what scares people about that is that one by one, Congress seems to be banning attachments to guns. And so even just something as little as a bump stock could soon turn into, you know, your silencers and your other attachments that make a gun customizable. Aside from that, the Trump administration has pushed for improvements made to the background check system as well as a universal background check. Um, this one is not super controversial. Studies show that around 97% of gun owners are in favor of a universal background check system, and therefore um, he's getting some pretty good support on that. Now, I simply cannot say the same for Joe Biden, looking at what he has on his campaign website, as well as what the news media says and reports on. It becomes more and more obvious that Joe is is actually quite liberal in his gun control policies and would have no issue implementing his ideas via executive order. In 1994, there was a ban placed on quote-unquote assault weapons that lasted for 10 years. Joe Biden hopes to bring back and add on to this plan during his presidency. On top of that, President Biden has made it abundantly clear that he plans to ban high-capacity magazines, uh, which is basically just a, a magazine that holds over 10 rounds, as well as forcing these individuals who have assault weapons or high-capacity magazines to either A, sell their weapons to a federal buyback program, or B, register them under the National Firearms Act. Personally, I'm not a super big fan of this. Obviously, it's not the worst thing to ever happen. Uh, there is sort of an illusion of choice here because either you can sell your assault weapons in high-capacity magazines to the government or you can have them registered and they know that you have them and, you know, heaven forbid something else happens and they can take them because they know you have them. But just to cap out um, on some of the elements of Biden's gun plans going forward, he does plan to prohibit the online sale of guns and ammunition. Um, I know personally, in the last eight or nine months, that has become one of the most viable sources of obtaining firearms, ammunition, attachments, and of the sort. Just because you know you're trying to avoid going into crowds, gun stores are not only depleted of resources but very, very busy, and that is one viable resource that I don't think needs to be taken away. Lastly, the Biden administration plans to support red flag gun laws. Essentially what those do is temporarily take firearms away from people who are reported to be mentally unstable. So let me paint a picture for you. Let's say you go into a bout of depression. 
or a fit of anger or rage. A member of the family, a neighbor, a friend can call up the police department and basically say, so-and-so is mentally unstable and they're not fit to have a firearm. And the government can come and take your firearm away from you because of that report. This is a massive violation of our Second Amendment rights. As good as an idea as it may be on paper, it simply can't be implemented. It's too easy to abuse. What I want people to realize is that the road to losing your Second Amendment rights starts with the ban on high-capacity magazines and bans on bump stocks and bans on other attachments and red flag laws. It starts incrementally because obviously if they went to take everyone's guns and a mass takeover, people would resist. Um, it's very slowly that it happens and we need to be aware of it as it's happening and fight it. Like I said before, I do not believe that our Second Amendment rights are in immediate peril. However, we do have to pay attention to the little things that are passed and banned as we go along. I think it's safe to say, it's pretty obvious to anybody listening, that I'm very pro-Second Amendment. There's a number of reasons for this, but primarily the reasoning is pro-Second Amendment is pro-individual rights. I believe that America was founded on personal freedoms and that having the Second Amendment in place ensures to a degree that we the people maintain our individual freedoms and our autonomy from the government. Now, you don't have to take my word for it or adopt my opinions on gun control. Um, look at the facts. Look at the issues that you deem important. Um, weigh the pros and cons and and really do some soul searching, I guess, but figure out what you believe. I'm by no means stating my opinion to sway anybody. I could care less whether you support it or not. Um, but what I want to be able to do is educate and help you make a, a good decision. And, you know, in this case, I told you where my research and experience has led me as far as my opinions. Thanks for listening to The Unsullied Truth. Come back next week for another look into America's political news. As always, we promise to bring it to you as pure and unbiased as possible, and then let you draw your own conclusions.